Scripture from Matthew chapter 5, the Sermon on the Mount, starting in verse 1. Seeing the crowds, he went up to the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those for hung who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. The word of the Lord. What really makes a happy life, the good life, a, a flourishing life, one that, that you strive for, that you feel you, you did the best you could? I mean, what, what's your ultimate view of happiness and success? In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is pondering some of these things, and he's giving very countercultural uh, answers to some of these kind of questions. He's sort of laying out, this is my plan for a different kind of life. And he purposefully starts the Sermon on the Mount with the Beatitudes. These are these eight sayings. Really, if you counted them, there's nine, but the, the last two sort of go together. They're combined. So, so we say eight Beatitudes. And so today, let's, let's think about what these Beatitudes were uh, and are. But, but first, let's say a little bit about what they're not. A lot of times when people hear the Beatitudes, they think they're attitudes that you're supposed to be or you're supposed to have. The, the problem with that is the spelling, okay? Attitude is A-T-T-I-T-U-D-E-S. Attitude or attitudes like my daughter gives me as a, as a uh, teenager. But Beatitude is B-E-A-T-1-T-I-T-U-D-E. See, Beatitudes... And attitudes are completely different words. They're not even related. The Beatitudes are so named because of that first word. Blessed is the, often the translation, sometimes happy. Um, but in Latin, it was beatus. In uh, Greek, it was makrios. And so, uh, but because of the, the Latin, they were called, since very early on, the Beatitudes. And so the, the big question and key for translating these and understanding these texts is, what does that word mean, blessed, makrios? Well, a lot of people, when they read it, read it sort of conditionally. In other words, you're supposed to be a peacemaker. And if you're a peacemaker, you get this blessing, sort of a, of a condition. Jesus is saying, you don't currently have this blessing, but you'll get it if you do X, Y, and Z. The problem is that that's not what that word really means there's another word that can be translated blessings and and it often means that kind of i give you a blessing and i'm blessing you okay so that other word the opposite of that word is a curse right a blessing and a curse but but this word uh, makrios no the the opposite is actually woe in the scriptures and in luke's sermon on the plain the the, the beatitudes actually go with certain 
woe statements. Blessed are you in this, but woe to you if you this. Okay, so, so that word, it doesn't mean that you're, you're being blessed because of something that you, you are doing. No, the, the word is more like uh, Jesus acknowledging a blessing that you already have. In other words, you might translate it, um, not happy. Some translations try happy. Uh, I think that's not a good translation because we think of happiness as like this bubbling feeling of happiness. That's not what Jesus is saying. What Jesus is saying is, fortunate are you? Flourishing are you? Wonderful news if you're a peacemaker. You're doing very well if you are meek. Okay, if I was Australian, I might say, good on you. Good on you for the peacemakers. Good on you. Uh, as if Jesus is recognizing, no, you're already blessed if you're doing these things. It's not conditional. Jesus is recognizing you're already blessed. Now, part of the argument is, well, then blessed in what sense? Uh, a lot of people tend to read these then as something for an eschatological hope. In other words, that's a big word meaning end times hope. In other words, if you're going through a lot now, if you're meek, if you're mourning, if you're persecuted now, I've got good news for you. You're going to be blessed in Christ's eternal kingdom, right? The kingdom of heaven will be yours. Um, the problem with that understanding of this passage, I, I think it's true, um, but it's not, it's not doesn't explain the whole thing. Because in the Gospel of Matthew, the kingdom is now. Jesus' kingdom is announced as now. It's here. And so the promise of inheriting the, the land, of uh, theirs being the kingdom, it's not just an end times thing. In the Gospel of Matthew, it's happening now. Later in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is going to teach them to pray, and he's going to say, when you pray, say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. So, so it's for not just end times, yes, end times, but also for today. And, and there's a, a great hymn that says, um, uh, um, strengths for today and bright hopes for tomorrow. You know that hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness? Blessings all mine with ten thousands before. That's the understanding of this blessedness. It's strength for today and it's hope for tomorrow. It's both. It's both now and eternal. And when you read these, um, these blessings, these announcements of Christ, that when you're, when you're going through these things, good on you. Good job. Flourishing, happy, blessed. You are getting it because why? You're living into this kingdom that is breaking into this world. Now, here's the problem. I don't agree with Jesus on this. For me, it doesn't feel like it's blessed when somebody persecutes me, when I mourn, okay, when I'm poor or poor in spirit. That doesn't, that doesn't feel blessed to me. But of course, this is exactly what Jesus is trying to do. He's trying to make this countercultural counter to your thinking, trying to rattle you, shake you. Whenever you read the teachings of Jesus, you got to understand that, that Jesus is often trying to do this. He's often trying to say things differently to shake you up and get you to think differently. So let's read through these again and talk through the specific Beatitudes. We could talk a lot about them, but we're going to do them rather quickly here and do what, I, what Ken Bailey used to say, rescue truth from familiarity. 
let's, let's try to rescue some truth out of these things that maybe you've heard before, but you've never fully thought about. And I'm even going to read them with some of these other ways of translating that word blessed so that you can get a little different feel for it. How joyous is the poor in spirit. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. How joyous is the poor in spirit. This is really interesting because Luke in his Sermon on the Plain has Jesus say, blessed are the poor. And um, so, so well, does, does it mean poor or poor in spirit? Well, yes. If you go back to the book of Isaiah, it, it talks about being uh, not only poor but or humble, but also having a contrite heart. And that, I think, is what Jesus is getting at. Part of this understanding is that when you're poor, you can't rely on your own needs. Uh, you have to rely on God. That comes up later in Matthew. When he, when he talks about, when Jesus talks about, um, it, it's easier for a rich man, a camel to get through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to get into the kingdom. Jesus is not opposed to wealth. In fact, he had many friends who had wealth and supported his ministry. But, but when you have it all together, it's easy to not need God. It's easy to not need God. But, but if you can humble yourself, how does Jesus say it later? If you can become like a child, then you receive the kingdom. So if you like that, you're on your way. Because the kingdom is yours. Because you have to have this humbleness, this poor, this poverty of spirit. And sometimes poverty can help us on the way. Happy are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Okay, I, I don't know about you, I don't like mourning. Most people don't. Most people try to get out of it as quick as they can. But mourning, suffering, are great teachers. Okay, some of the hardest times of our, of our lives are the times when we actually are open to what God would say to us. And what does is, what is Jesus promise? Those who mourn, they're going to find comfort. Ultimately, we know he'll wipe every tear from your eyes. Okay, all those, all those sadness we have felt in our lives are going to be undone. But in this world, Jesus comes and he comforts us also. And so it's blessed. It's a good thing to mourn. Okay, to actually go through the process of mourning, of sitting and mourning with other people because mourning teaches us something about this kingdom. See, if you start looking at these, you find they're about today and about the future. Fortunate are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Okay, um, when we hear meek, we think weak. But that's not the understanding traditionally of what the word meek actually means. Meek doesn't mean that you're a, a, a pushover. Okay, meek just means you don't have to show your strength. Okay, you don't have to, you don't have to position yourself as strong. Okay, this is how Augustine uh, used to talk about uh, this word for meekness. He used to say, people who are meek get, get mad at the right things, at the right time, of the right amount, and for the right amount of time. Okay, that's my paraphrase. Okay, meek people aren't pushovers. Meek people are people who don't have to position themselves as strong because they are strong. Okay, and, and they get mad at the things they should get mad at for the right amount of time. You ever, you ever seen people that get that blow off, go off the handle over something? Or they don't get mad enough about something? Meek people are those people that are the right amount of upset. The right amount of emotion. That's a meek person. 
And the translation says inherit the earth, but the word there is really land, I think. And if you think about inheriting the land, oh man, this is a huge, huge uh, line in Jewish thinking. The, the, hand, the land is the holy land. It's part of the blessed promise of God. And so to inherit the land, well, that was a big discussion. Who gets to inherit the land? How do we keep the land? How do we make sure exile doesn't happen again? Weakness. Somebody who gets wrong, <laughs> mad at the right stuff, the right amount, the right time for the right reasons, and the right amount. They don't blow, uh, they don't um, go out and go off the, off the deep end with it. Okay, flourishing are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Okay, hunger and thirst coming right out of the Psalms. Um, these people who Jesus is talking to, they would know what it was meant to be hungry. You maybe have been hungry, but have you ever not eaten for three days? Okay, have you ever been uh, dehydrated because you are so thirsty? Most of us have never experienced that. In Jesus' day, people would. You went through a drought, you might go a couple days without food, without water. And so they understood hungering and thirsting. Okay, as the deer pants, the psalmist says. But, but what Jesus is saying is it's the people that go after righteousness like that. Righteousness is not just right living, it's rightness. Rightness in the world, that the world is the way it should be. Pursuing my own godliness, but also pursuing God's plan for the world. And notice, you're not blessed if you're righteous, because you never get there. You're blessed if you hunger and thirst for it, if you pursue it, if you go after it. How, why? Because you'll be satisfied. In this world, and especially in the next, you will be satisfied. And the word there could almost be translated like full or even bloated. Like, you think you want to, you, you hunger for righteousness? Well, you're going to get so stuffed with the righteousness that you're going to find in Christ. Good on you to the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Mercy is uh, not just forgiveness. Okay? Mercy is acts of mercy. Okay? Mercy is not just, I could be mad at you and I give you a grace. Mercy is, I go out of my way to take care of people that don't deserve it. And what will they receive? Mercy. Okay? This is a big theme in the Sermon on the Mount. right? That those you, you, God will forgive you the way you forgive other people. What comes first? God's mercy or your mercy? Okay? Well, they both happen. It's not a matter of what came first. But what we know is Christ's mercy wins in the end. Wonderful news for the pure in heart, for they will see God. Pure in heart is this big theme throughout literature, right? Uh, in, in the Arthurian tale of the sword and the stone, only the pure in heart could remove the sword from the stone. Or in uh, the Marvel movies, uh, only those who are worthy can lift Thor's hammer. There's always this test in stories to see how pure your heart really is because how do we know how pure someone's heart is this is a beatitude about motivation what's really going on in your heart and of course we're never totally pure in heart but those who pursue it those who go after it they're going to see god and that's an interesting phrase because we can't see god the promise is you're going to see god well i think what that means is when your motives are clear as you try to purify your heart through confession, through assurance, um, through your prayer life, you start to see God at work. You start to see Jesus alive. You start to see spirit in your life. 
And ultimately, you will see God when you stare at the face of Jesus. You are doing really well as a, as a peacemaker, and you will be called a son of God. Peacemaker, we've got to use this term differently. Peacemakers, we talk about ending wars, ending conflicts. But, but in the Bible, peace in the New Testament is related to shalom, peace, in the Old Testament. It means everything's right in the world. Prosperity, welfare, healing. So peace is not just the ending of wars. In the Bible, peace is the fixing of relationships. Okay, that, that we are fully in relationship, in communion with one another. And it's the ones who, who make that peace, not just end wars, but, but actually try to reconcile relationships. They're called the sons of God. And sons of God is a huge theme in the Bible. And, and it, it, it means it, they're the people that are really true to God's heart. Why? Because God is a peacemaking God. That's the whole enterprise of Jesus coming to earth. And then the last one, this sort of combined one, which is, which is, if you read, is significantly longer than the rest of them. Uh, Blessed are you when persecuted or reviled for righteousness' sake. When you're persecuted, when you're reviled, hold on, this is really important. For righteousness' sake. For the good of being good and finding good in the world. Some people are persecuted because they're jerks. Okay, that's not blessedness. Okay, um, and, and I know people who have like a martyr's complex. They're like, yep, I'm, I'm really being treated poorly. And they wear it as like a badge of honor. And if it's just because you're a jerk, okay, that's not what Jesus is saying here. Okay, it's if you're, if you're, if you're persecuted for Christ for righteousness, for doing the right thing, then, then you're really on the right path and you're in good company because the prophets were like that. Okay? And in fact, Jesus is persecuted and reviled. In fact, that's one of the big things that scholars have noted about this passage over the years is that really one way to read these, these Beatitudes is that it's a description of Jesus in the book of Matthew. Think about it. Poor in spirit, yeah, Jesus was poor. Remember him in the garden, praying, sweating drops of blood, his humility. Theirs is the kingdom, his is the kingdom. Mourned, he mourned Lazarus. He brought comfort to many. Meek, he went to the cross without any argument for himself. Hunger and thirst, remember he thirsted from the cross. Okay, he understood what it was like to fast. He fasted 40 days. Merciful, always. Jesus was so merciful for those who were sick around him pure in heart yeah he had no sin and he, and he is the one in the gospels who has seen god the only one who has seen god peacemakers yeah he's the ultimate peacemaker and he's called the son of god persecuted reviled falsely yeah yeah and he's he's got the the ultimate reward in heaven of being seated at the right hand of the father See, what, what this is calling us to is not just good attitudes, not just kind behaviors. What the Sermon on the Mount, what the Beatitudes is actually calling us to is a Jesus kind of life. Where we try to live like Jesus Christ lived. And man, that is so much of a, a harder bar, a higher bar than any kind of commands and any kind of demands on us. So may we live this kind of Christ life. May these words challenge us and bring us hope 
today and forever. Let me pray. Lord, teach us. Teach us how to be like you, how to live the kind of happy, fruitful, flourishing life that you call for us and that will be rewarded in the end. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. May the grace of Christ our Savior, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Spirit be with you and guide you now and forever. Amen.